Some things we eat lunch at one o'clock. Some things we eat lunch at two o'clock. And some things we eat lunch at seven o'clock. The lunch club. Hello and welcome to a special Halloween edition of the lunch club. I don't know why it's a Halloween edition, but is it that, is. Is that because your shirt is orange and black? Um, sorry, Claire. I do the intros. Uh, I don't know if you've. You've, you've, it's been a while since you've been in the lunch club, but sorry, this is back, my sorry. time to shine. <laughs> um, I am Paul Turgeist Carlin, your host. You'll never guess which panellist is joining us this week. It's Claire Wilde. That sounded like I called you a witch. I didn't, that's not my intention. Hi, Claire. Hi, hi Paul. Uh, and also joining us, he used to be a werewolf, but he's all right now. Colin Kearney's here. Hello. What was, what was your middle name there? Paul Tergeist. I don't get it. Paul Poltergeist. Oh. oh. I was going to go for Paul Bearer, but there's already been a Paul Bearer. <laughs> In WWE, I guess, F. Um, the old written jokes versus the old spoken jokes, eh? Yeah. It worked in my head. My head is throbbing, I must say. I was out last night. I went to see... I had a very 1997 evening yesterday. I met my friend Linda, um, who I was basically my one of my only remaining friends from school. And uh, we went to Ichiban for dinner in Queen Street, which is still great. We went to 13th Note for a pint, which is still good. And then we went to Mono to see a band called Prolapse, who we used to go and see in the mid-90s. And it was, yeah, a nice day, but I had too much, too many beer drinks. Um, Colin, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Yeah. Pretty, uh, this, uh, this week has been, I just kind of breezed by without any great event it was basically just football and work and um not much else really so i feel like i don't really have a lot to bring to the table for personal fun how do you how's halloween what do you make a halloween are you a halloween fan not particularly i don't really like dressing up very much because i find that the effort required is always uh more than the rewards gained well i would Um, say that the costume you're wearing today is hilarious (laughs) Can you describe to the audience what it is, Paul? <laughs> a werewolf mask and a nurse costume, strangely, which is, is, isn't appropriate for... What am I talking about? Claire, how are you? I'm fine, thanks, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I apologise for interrupting your introduction as well. It's okay. I, just, I was just doing a, just a bit of fun. Um, how's Halloween? What do you do at Halloween? Do you nah, celebrate Halloween? Halloween, nah. Best thing about Halloween? Me. Monkey nuts. Can I get an amen? No, why do you like monkey nuts? Best thing about Halloween, I bought three bags last week. <laughs> are you serious? I love them. Honestly, I think they are the did greatest the, thing about Halloween. the local kids absolutely hate you? They're I used like, to swap sweeties like for monkey nice. nuts. Wow. Oh, I don't understand it. They're peanuts. Yep. Without, that don't taste as nice, that you have mm. th- a more Because they're not salted. Yeah. Because no. they're, 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 their skin is impervious to the salting yeah. they get before. Oh, I'm sorry so- that my palate isn't as sophisticated as both of yours. <laughs> <laughs> off, to, just, off to a bad start. You're a texture guy. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't, like, did you guys when you were young? Yeah. Yeah, so what was your kind of go-to? Because I feel like for um, people of a certain age, like, your options were quite limited. Best costume I ever had. God bless Bernard Carlin. He made me like a TV. I, I was a TV nice. one year. Big Did you have rabbit ear aerials? Yeah, rabbit nice. ear aerials. Like a proper old telly. Um, <laughs> I would say that's the best costume I ever ever wore. Um, I can yeah. remember some of my... Hall- no, I can remember some of the costumes that I wore to like fancy dress parties, but I cannot remember a single Halloween costume. <laughs> it just wasn't really a thing. I, I don't feel like I'm a big Halloween person. Low Halloween vibes today. Yeah. Um, I, although I love, I love the horror 
spooky aspect of it. I just can't be bothered with the the hoopla around it. Let's make. I just want to watch horror movies. Episode as spooky as possible, right? Okay. Um, <laughs> um, it's great to have you both here. It's lovely to see you. I'm looking forward to today. Claire, it's been a while since you've been on the lunch club, so I'm looking forward to I'm getting into some of I'm delighted to be you. here and delighted to be a guest. Um, we're sticking with the same sort of format as last week. Just get like four talking points and some silly nonsense towards the end. No anagrams today, folks. Hooray! Uh, I have instead prepared another round of this or that. Oh, I enjoy this or um, that. Very, very, very silly this week. Very silly. The uh, sillier the better. Opening question. How do you feel about the idea of Celtic releasing a fourth Adidas kit in time for Christmas? Clear Wild. I think it's daft and I don't understand it and it smacks of everyone involved trying to make as much money as possible and yet if I if it comes out and I really like it, I'll put it on my Christmas list. <laughs> yes, a very good balanced answer there, Claire. Colin, um, gouging? I don't know. I mean, there's people that will buy every little bit of merch and uh, just... I don't know, maybe they're trying to fill the easy hole. This is like the... which yeah. is which I'm, which I'm calling it. Uh, Controversial. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, what? No, it's fine. They're not going to sell Yeezys anymore, which is good. Yes. Uh, so, but they've got to release a fourth kit. <laughs> I just really make up for yeah, the money. Okay. No, that's that's a good that's a good point. Um, fuck is that it, guy. Is it happening for any? Is it happening anywhere else? Like, is this a thing that they're doing for lots of clubs? I don't know. Um, Rangers have done one. Yeah. yeah, but we were. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I think we were given Rangers pelters for skinning their fans with a fourth kit, and now we're just doing exactly the same. Have we not already had like two training kits as well? Like, that's, that's different, my friend. That's for the collectors. That's for the Brian McManuses <laughs> of the world. Um, right. Okay. I for just every, don't get it. For every fourth kit the Rangers bring out, we'll bring out sixteen. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's okay. I, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it yet. Or it hasn't been leaked yet, to my knowledge. Um, I think the third kit is so crap this season that I th- I'm just going to assume that this is the third they're kit. They're just having another... Oh, Craig uh, Gow disagrees. Um, Do you think they're just having another go at it? I th- yeah, I thought the third kit is... Well, just for what it signifies. I'm not... Defeat, it's in Burren, like yeah. that, uh, Aaron Moy. It's is that, that's the tainted. only time we've worn it. Yeah. yeah. I see, and I see Aaron Moy when I think of that kit. You know, there's always a player that you think of with a kit. Have you two got any of this season's kits? You've got the... I, d- I don't... Uh, no, no. I, I've I don't, got I don't. the black with the yeah, green with the stripes. stripes. Beautiful awake. And as, like, I, I don't play fives or sevens anymore, and uh, so I kind of feel a wee bit circumspect buying football kits. It's cool. In it's fun. advanced age. <laughs> We're kicking around the house. Wear them to games. Um, you can only go to certain pops afterwards. Um, okay, so we are, I'd say, largely ambivalent about a fourth kit, maybe. Okay, yeah, we'll go with yeah. that. Um, right, talking right, point. Also, is it ever, ever going to get worn? This is the thing, is like, is it a fourth kit that is going to actually serve its purpose as a kit that the team will wear, or is it just purely merchandise for merchandise sake? It's merchandise for merchandise sake. That and we'll wear, it, we'll wear it once against Hibs on, right. like, away at Hibs, I think. If it's at Christmas, maybe if it's Christmas themed, that may, that may be fun. They oh. said it was going to be in a warmer colour. A warmer colour, okay. Ah, I'm thinking mm. yellow. Keeping up with the uh, the Pantone trends, I, li- I like it. Yeah, it's good. I was I was about to ask you your favourite Pantone tone, but I think that's a very hard question to ask. If any <laughs> I I would have even I would have to research right, that. Okay. Yeah. Um, let's just start with talking point number one. Um, Celtic have been targeted as a club to potentially be part of a rehashed European Super League. 
Juventus, Real Madrid and Barcelona are the three clubs at the top of this. We saw uh, a Super League fall on its arse at the start of this or prior to this season beginning. Um, pretty much every English club pulled out. Um, the latest story is that Celtic and Rangers would be targeted as a second attempt at it. Colin, what do you make of this? First of all, targeted, it's like such a journalese, <laughs> isn't it? It's just like to make something vague and stuff sounds like hot off the press. This was my point, like just to butt in, like the, <laughs> a revised European Super League proposal could include, according to a report, I was like, mm, okay. Wishy-washy nonsense. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, monopolies are bad, right? So you could say UEFA has monopolizes European football mm-hmm. but at the same time the, like who's involved oh it's the same three it's you know big brand teams um, who are trying to ring fence the money that they can make Celtic Rangers are being targeted why are they being targeted is it because of their it's just because they are sellable brands with like international uh, clout if you want to put it that way um, but see, well, it's good. I think if you, if you want to look at it equally, no, I think no English club involvement sounds like a good thing because that's, I think that the Premier League is now its own little thing, just ticks away. Yeah. So potentially that might be an advantage if such a thing were to happen. But there's so many, I mean, these, these things have been covered with, with uh, the last time the Super League was mooted, you know, but there's like... What would what would that look like in reality with the travelling, the 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 ecological impact, the impact on community, the impact on away fans, home fans, everything? It's just it's it's um it just I don't think that's ever going to sit right with me. And the thing is, like I was tr- I was trying to think about it like from both sides and like what are the advantages? What would could be the advantages? Because one of the things we've been talking about this week is the level of opposition that we face domestically. Does that hamper our prog- any progress we're ever going to make in Europe? Aye. So, but I think that ultimately, what I I kind of came to the conclusion like this: like we we need to develop Scottish football. This is like we need to find a way that Celtic and Rangers are getting targeted because there is money in it. So, can we not use that brand power, if you want to put it in those terms, to develop our our national game? Um, so we can compete in Europe and have an independent Scotland. Hooray! Wow, uh, fantastic. <laughs> Great points, Colin. Really enjoyed that, Claire. What do you make of it? Oh, man, I agree with Colin. Anything <laughs> I've written down, I just agree with Colin. <laughs> oh, shush. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, my gut reaction is, nope, thank you very much. It doesn't sit right at all. I mean, the fact that it collapsed so quickly last time, the the feelings against it. and I, But then I, I get your point about monopolies being bad and maybe there should be kind of competition in terms of leagues but I want Scottish football teams to play in Scotland Mm -hmm. against each other and if that means that we do something differently here like you said Colin um, then so be it that's something we should look at we shouldn't just automatically think right you know you know but the 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 powers that be at clubs like Celtic and Rangers might be tempted by the idea of all the money and yeah who knows yeah um, I largely agree with that don't want Celtic to be part of this. I, I do kind of like, though, the idea of us mixing it up with some of these bigger clubs because I, I just wonder if, like, 
what will it what will it take? Is it, I mean, I, I didn't want to spend too much time talking about the European game this week because it was covered really well in the reaction, covered excellently on the weekly this week. But there's just something bugging me about Celtic in Europe. It's just frustrating. It's been another really frustrating campaign. And I just often wonder how do we move on from that. Maybe that's a conversation for another time. Um Emergency feature. Your favourite street in Monopoly. A lot of talk monopolies. Favourite street in Monopoly. Claire, come to you first. Oh wow, I old Kent Road. Yep, great. Colin, I like the jail. Yeah, good. <laughs> yep. I was going to say waterworks, but I think jail's a funnier <laughs> answer. Thank you very much. Um, okay. That's not technically those two aren't streets, so. That's very true. Oh, true. Also, of Monopoly is the most tedious game ever ever yeah. devised. My friend Neil, who I was out with last night, he is the most annoying person to play Monopoly with. He's aggressive. He says "rent" every time you land in one of his squares. <laughs> like, pretty. I mean, if you're watching the game, you would enjoy it very much. But playing against him is infuriating. He's I, annoyingly good. He's very, he's aggressive. He, he buys fast. He buys quickly. But this this is it. It was it was developed. Right. This could be an urban myth, but. I understand it was developed as a game to teach kids the perils of um, capitalism and avariciousness. And all anybody ever wants to do is, like, be It taught them how to be capitalists. Yeah, Yeah. just, like, and and throw an absolute hissy fit. Four Uh, hotels in Mayfair. Suck it. (laughs) Um, Right, what would an ideal... This is kind of fantasy booking question. Like, let's imagine that the Scottish Premiership is kind of no more and Celtic are starting again, what would an ideal league look like? Like a dom- Let's call it a domestic league. We'll call it like your bread and butter league. What would it look like for you? How many teams? How, you know, would, you, would you include teams from Europe in that? Or maybe how would you improve on the current setup? That is such a hard question. When I saw this question on the rundown, I just thought there isn't anything that resembles an ideal league. Like I just think it, it's such a fantasy football question. It's just... Uh, or maybe I just lack imagination. <laughs> no, it's a hard question. Because yeah. you're always kind of going to get these divisions or separations or people that break away or clubs that want to do things differently or issues with the administration or issues around the politics of the administration. It's, I feel like there's no way of doing it, especially in the, in the system that we exist in on a larger scale in terms of the economy the economic climate, the political climate. How do you set a league up in that system that isn't going to have some of those problems? I I, I, I struggle I struggle as well. The one thought I did have would be uh, my ideal league would have entirely international referees. Oh, I love it. Oh, yes, now, please. Now we're working with something. <laughs> um, moving on uh, beautiful segue Colin many thanks uh, topic number two snakes on a pitch I've had it with these <laughs> motherfucking referees on this motherfucking pitch um, we have to talk about refs uh, I don't want to go over uh, again the, the game against Hearts was covered brilliantly but I am now at a stage with these referees where I just don't think they are capable of performing their duties in a remotely capable way. So, not the best start to VAR in Scotland last week. Um, the, I think this week it's Willie Collum is doing the Celtic game, I believe. Yes. Um, so, I don't know, is that a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> Who can say? Um, and I think it's now that Nick Walsh, Stephen McLean, they're switching roles. So, Stephen McLean will be on the pitch and Nick Walsh will be in the VAR. That'll make all the room. difference, eh? Yeah, well, that's... Here, this is probably that. So, and we're 
Claire, we're going to come to you for your opinion on uh, what happened in the women's game last weekend. Um, what are you expecting, see, like this weekend or the next couple of weeks with regard to VAR? Do you think we're going to see more weekends like last weekend, potentially, while they iron things out? You know, we were warned there would be a horrendous start to this from me and Maxwell. You say th- this thing about them ironing things. This is their this is their literal job <laughs> at the top level of Scottish football. If it's being implemented and we're still ironing it out, we've got a problem, right? <laughs> yep. Like, what the hell is going on? I just don't think we're going to see anything but more of the same. When the, when for the at fu- least, well, for, for, for the foreseeable. Until Rangers yeah. win the league, right? Until Rangers <laughs> win the league. I mean, the the thing is when the when it seems that the fans and spectators and everybody knows the rule know the rules better than the actual official you know officials um you know blowing up before the phase of plays over etc 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 i thought it was really funny how we were getting all these explainers you know this is how VAR works everybody it was a bit like you know an after school special um <laughs> i couldn't even bring myself to watch it <laughs> oh I, I watched it out of like some sort of bloody-minded curiosity that i was just like what what exactly just um, it's like every time Weezer bring out a new album, right? I listen to it and I'm like, this could be the album <laughs> where they go back and they sound like the Blue Album, and it's never like never. And it, for the past fucking fourteen Weezer albums, the first all song in the terrible. White Album is great. That's all <laughs> I'm going to say. It's just one really, really good song. That's good. There'll be like one or two listeners. Lorenzo Pacitti agrees with yeah. you on that. The amount of time good. I've heard you guys talking about Weezer albums, I've. Sp- there are actually only like two good Weezer albums, and there are about twelve. It comes up Weezer a lot albums. in conversation. <laughs> But that, that is, yeah, I think that's the—that's what you were talking about there, Colin. That's where my mind goes, that the law of diminishing returns. And, uh-huh. you, and, and for us to expect anything other than a complete failure, a complete mess, is makes us stupid. Well, I mean, I, I don't think... I don't think anybody did expect anything other than utter chaos. And um, and we, we talk about it settled down in the English Premier League, but, I mean, if you watch Match of the Day, there's still, go, like... Absolute egregious like mistakes made, and and we know that because Scottish punditry is sometimes a wee bit uh, lacking in insight to actual football, and that's very they, fair. They love to, yeah. I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be even handed here. Um, <laughs> and Colin, come on, <laughs> two foot. Well, I mean, like, I I feel that quite quite often it's a crutch just to talk about referee's decision, and now it's like, and then. They were the big joke was, and everybody made this joke every week. Oh, but VAR will sort this out, ha ha ha, because they all know it's not going in. They're just going to talk about VAR decisions. And again, I think I've said this before. It's about consi- the consistency of refereeing has to improve. Referees have to be like not perfect. It's never going to be perfect, um, but they need to be consistent in their decisions. And we can't have this constant vacillation that we see on the pitches every week, and it's just tedious. I want to, I want to watch football, and I think, I mean, I think there's also rule changes as well. About if we look at the current handball rule, mm-hmm. you know, there's this is well, I was, I was kind of thinking as well when we were talking about the monopoly of like f- the organize the organisations that run football and make the make the rules and all the rest of it. But then, so how do we get to revise? I think this handball rule we have at the minute plainly doesn't work. So, um, you know, maybe in my ideal league, we would be able to sort of revise. Use our hands. Revise some. Use use our our hands, hands. yeah. Yep. You need hands, of course. Revise. And 
and just get rid of uh, Speedball. Remember Speedball? Oh, what a game! Let's make that the new yeah Scottish League. It's clear. I don't even remember Speedball. A game from the nineties, kind of set in the future, like rope, it was kind of like rollerball, but yeah. yeah. Kick ass, bit, great bit game. Matt look it up yeah, after this. Brothers, yep, yep. Sega Mega Drive game, absolutely excellent. How are you enjoying hanging out with us old? <laughs> Talking about the Sega Mega Drive and Weezer. Don't worry, I'm nearly as old as you. <laughs> uh, Clear. Let's talk about uh, what happened in the Celtic versus Spartans game last Sunday. Covered on the Celtic. Oh, let's do this every week. Celtic Women's Football Show with yes. Jim Lorenzo, which dropped on Wednesday. Yeah, uh, comes out every week. Um, so we saw Jacinta being sent off, allegedly, for calling the referee an idiot? Well, how it all played out was that we were watching the game and I was there. I was kind of talking to someone in front of me, but I had my eyes on the game and was kind of, I was kind of not 100% focused on what was happening at the time. And then suddenly the, a red card comes out and I just looked around to the people around me and I was like, what? What was that? <laughs> I mean, I've told this story on the show that we did on Wednesday, but it was so shocking. I was like, did I... Was I just not concentrating? But everyone was doing that thing where you all look at each other going, what, what, what? Um, and then one of the guys who films it like makes a vlog yep. for the games. I went to him and he had it on film. And it was, and afterwards we just heard that the word on the street was that she had called him an idiot. He had kept getting in her way. And she was frustrated because she was really close to the box. She was like living on the outside of the box, as Lorenzo said, like as she does, ready to yeah. make something happen. He was getting in her way. She got frustrated. She called him an idiot, and sort of the only she sort of did that threw her arm up in the air. And he, it so was a red do card. you think he was described as a certain category of idiot? <laughs> category uh, C idiot. <laughs> Let's go through that. What makes a category E idiot? <laughs> I'm, I'm, well, we, don't have to, we, don't we obviously have to weren't getting there, in the way of so we only have the stories that we've yeah, been yeah. told to go on. It's um, a very fragile ego, though, right? I mean, to... I just think, as Lorenzo said as well on the women's football show, like, the amount of swearing and shithousery and stuff that goes on on a football pitch, it was extraordinary. We were all just flabbergasted. Yeah. It mm. was extraordinary. That, that just So that backs up this idea that refs just don't know what they're fucking doing. And I think the word ego that you bring up, Colin, is an excellent one because... You'd have to be an egotistical SOB to be a referee, right? It's like being a politician. You have to have, you have to be like a psychopath, I, you know. I mean, that's a bit strong. Yeah, that's a bit <laughs> strong. But you, I think you have to be a certain type of person to be a referee. Um, I guess being a Tory helps. But also, oh yeah, well, yeah, that's a, a, a But also track. maybe like we need good referees who don't have that mindset. So you need to like we we need to encourage people to go into like officiating the sport who genuinely have like good football yeah. and the desire for fair and well officiated football to take place mm. so like i don't know i i completely want to bash referees but i also don't want to kind of bash the idea of refereeing well with that in mind if you point. know what i yeah, mean yeah absolutely yeah who would you like to see become a referee in scotland fantasy booking what fantasy booking bowed <laughs> chris bowed <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'll co-sign on that um yeah bowed would be good he'd be Respectful. Yeah, he's very funny. Res- very funny. I think one of the funniest people I know, Chris Bowd. <laughs> That's what you um, need from a ref. Yeah, exactly. Thing is, be a bit, bring a wee bit of humour into football. Mem- remember when football was funny? <laughs> Making a, make, sort of pulling that red card. Going, nah, I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> or he goes to put a little red card and it's like a flower. You know <laughs> how we were talking about, you know, the fact that Jacinta walked straight off the pitch as soon as she realised she was getting a red card and people sort of took that, that she knew she'd done something wrong, whereas we were just like, she just knew that it was coming and there was no point fighting it because nothing like that. Bowd would be like, you know, someone would come up and protest to him and we'd go, he'd go, actually, that's a really good point. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, my mistake. I'll t- I um, changed my mind. Can, the, I, can, I go for, can I go for a pairing, like a, a sort of referee VAR pairing? Yeah, I love it. Um, so Keanu Reeves and Matthew Perry, oh. right? <laughs> and, okay. Um, and so they can swap, you know, like sort of, and they can rebuild their their um, their friendship. Okay. You know, their relationship after the, the shock revelations. Uh, and also with, with Matt Perry on on VAR, and he'd just be like, "This is why people watch Keanu Reeves. Just look at the grace. grace. <laughs> look at the equal-handed, you know, even-handed ways dealing with everybody. Everybody's having a great time. Everybody just loves Keanu. Yep. I was wrong, and then Keanu would be like on VR the next week, and he'd just be going, "You can do it, Matty. You can do it. <laughs> just being his beautiful, yeah, congruent self. Exactly." Nice. Um, could this goal be any more offside? <laughs> My other one was uh, Bradley Walsh because I always think of Bradley Walsh whenever I think of any. I, I don't know. I'm just obsessed with he's the great. chase he's of Bradley Walsh. And then I thought of him. Guy. You know, he does that. Any chase fans where he goes that thing where he goes, gotta be, gotta be. <laughs> <laughs> Is that offside? Gotta be. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Glad I, glad I asked that. Um, I just all the referees can get in the bin. I'm sick of them. I'm absolutely sick of them. I think we should make them up. I really, Can I just really make one last this. point on yeah. refereeing? Because as a fairly new fan of Scottish football... And I thought football, you were going to see a fairly new fan of referees. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> no, I think, like, Annabelle and I have talked about this because I think, you know, you guys have been in and around this stuff for so long and you just kind of get jaded by it, don't you? You know, that whole thing of, like, is it going to change anything? No, it's not going to change anything. I'm surprised at how quickly I became jaded by it because I, when I first started watching Scottish football and realising the kind of terrible quality of the refereeing and the fact that, you know, you learn things like the relatives of referees are in supporters' clubs or they are in supporters' clubs themselves of certain teams and, you know, we have a Tory politician who runs... It's just... it's That was wild to me. Like, it blew my mind. Would you say it made you a cynic? (laughs) I would say it made me... You're also the the cynic. But the fact fact that, you know, within a few years you just kind of go, oh, God, it's just the way it is. When you've grown up with Hugh Dallas and Mike McCurry and just these fucking cheats. But um, the lack of oversight, the lack of any kind yeah. of comeback and any kind of like repercussions for any of the behaviours that referees display on and off the pitch is wild. Make them up. Make them do post-match interviews. Lock them up. <laughs> <laughs> because of their emails. <laughs> um, this is a very interesting lunch club today. Um... Yeah, Mike, Mike them up is a very good, a very good shout. By the way, what's like the, if you call a referee an idiot, surely referees are called much worse than that. Yeah, this is the, yeah. this is the point, isn't it? The category of idiot, though, Paul. You, what kind yeah, of category okay. of idiot? Okay, um, weapons grade idiot. You can listen to the them. show we did about the women's game, but we still should have won. Yep, <laughs> available on the subscriber feed um, every every week. Uh, Claire and Lorenzo. Claire, we're going to do uh, we're going to look at the women's team in yep. a wee while. Um, you're going to give us a bit of an update on where. Uh, we're Celtic Mamarat so far this season. Um, just a quick topic three. Um, I'm calling this Celtic players mugging the lunch club off a week later, making us look like idiots after we praise them to the high heavens. So we sat last week and we praised 
Kyogo Aramoy, Leo Labada, Ange Postacoglu, uh, Dyson Maeda, and they've basically made me, you, and Annabelle in the Club last week look like a bunch of idiots. Right, just a few quick points to talk about, though, because I've got some, I've got some frustrations. I was going to go scorched earth this week, but I'm trying to pull myself back from the void a wee bit. Kyogo in Europe. Kyogo misses a lot of chances, especially in Europe, and that... that shot he had, that opportunity he had after the week through ball from uh, Giacomakis against uh, Shakhtar Donetsk on Tuesday night was a horrible miss, Claire. Yes. Um, is it, is it, is, is this Kyogo's like, ceiling, where he's at just now? Do you think he's got, do you think he could change his game and be better in Europe or do you think this is basically the best he's got? Do you think it's Europe or do you think it's just in general? Because he had like, you know, he was flying high in August. He scored the hat-trick against Dundee. He was scoring goals in pretty much every game we played. And he's kind of not been producing anything since then. Like, it, obviously, your goals... At least, I think his all-round play's been, been fine. Like, he's still making the runs. He's still pressing and stuff. But it's as a striker, your currency is goals, right? And, yeah. Um, I've, yeah. I just wanted to ask the question, is it just Europe or do you think he's kind of gone off the boil a bit? I think there's been a definite step up in quality in the teams he played in Europe, right? And I think he's found it harder. Mm -hmm. Colin, what do you think? Yeah, I think um, he seems to be struggling. But again, as you say, it's not just in Europe. It's like um, he's, he's finding it hard to hit the heights. With his miss the other night, I could sort of see, I mean, this might be, but like when I sort of somewhere, I think he's trying to, He's. it looks like he's trying to nutmeg him and he just kind of like maybe scuffs it a little bit. But uh, yeah, but I mean, the fact that Yakimakis, who is an inferior football player, is, is, is basically gaining a lot of yards, even with the people that are kind of diehard sort of Kyogo fans. Um, but uh, I think, especially um, on Tuesday, I think this kind of, the double battle shotgun approach, and was like, we're having trouble, like capitalising on our opportunities. So we'll just put two strikers on, and like, and um, I, I just think it. And I mean, sorry, I, I'm kind of going into a slightly different area with this, but I feel that um, Ange kind of uh, neglected the midfield, mm-hmm. which is you've got to create the opportunity to put them away. And I think mm-hmm. he neglected the midfield for this kind of like last roll of the dice. Let's like. Uh, banging some goals with both strikers because like we get an opportunity and people say Gigi would have put that away and we get an opportunity when Gigi's on and it's like Kyogre would have put that away so we'll do both of them and we'll score more goals it just didn't work like that because we're not we're not creating the same opportunities um, I don't know what it will take for Kyogo to get I, I, I think everybody has dips in form I really really want him to succeed Um I, I just I don't know I just don't know what the answer is. He just he seems like a little. He's like you know you know dust bunnies you get underneath <laughs> yep. your couch, you know, and it just seems like he's a wee dust bunny building you know, a dust bunny of diffidence. Yeah, just building up under the couch. Do you think and he needs that a wee hat trick to get him out of it? McGregor not being in the team at the moment is having an impact in terms of the fact that you haven't got a player like O'Reilly up, kind of playing with someone like Kyogo. Yeah, I thought that was O'Reilly's worst game in the six for Celtic. Again, we're used to seeing him play a bit further forward, and I think McGregor is the type of player that you need in Europe. You need a, you need him in Europe just for his experience, for his calmness in the ball, for everything that he brings to the club. Um, because you certainly don't get it from Aaron Moy in Europe. 
Aaron Moyes had two good games for Celtic. Everyone needs to calm the hell down. He's not good enough. Uh, Leal Abada cannot play in the Champions League. Sell Abada. Yep. The lunch club says Sell Abada. <laughs> Claire, are you on board with that? I mean, I, mm, I I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put you on the spot there. But this is right, the main point of this, right? Are people scared to slag off Ange Postacoglu because they love him so much, because of who he is, because he's so revered among the Celtic support? Because I'm just thinking now, like, you don't know what you're fucking doing in Europe. And that, playing with Giacomakis and Kyogo, I thought was a mistake the other night. And the performances in Europe have not been as good as they should be. It so feel- why are folks scared of slagging it off It feels Ange? like the thing is that you either have to absolutely love him to the point of adoration, or you have to turn on him. <laughs> and like those are not the only two options. Yes, turn on him. That <laughs> sickos not, guy. Like, yes, <laughs> yes. The kind of the adoration thing and the kind of like he is our savior and he's gonna he's come to rescue Celtic Football Club. Is all is sits a bit uncomfortably with me as a whole concept. Anyway, he's a person who's going to make mistakes in football management because he's you know he's done good things. I don't know. I have only experienced I've experienced many fewer Celtic managers than both of you two, but. Yeah, Do, it feels like there's this kind of very kind of up and down thing at the moment where it's either everything is wonderful or everything is terrible. And maybe everything is somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I think but that twas, twas ever thus. <laughs> it's always like we're always, was it three games from a disaster? I don't know. Yeah. Um, and uh, are people scared of criticising Ange? Um, well, it's not like we have to see him on a regular basis. <laughs> so I don't think we're scared of him. <laughs> I'm scared of him. <laughs> In case you bump but into me, you say these, and he's just yeah. like, I heard what you said. I was here last week, I didn't see him, I was gutted. Oh, see? Actually, do you know why I didn't see him? him? Because he was at the game. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. But, um, no, I, I think, I mean, I think uh, there's a certain, everybody has their certain approach and a certain stripe of support, and there's the eternal optimist, and I, I'm, I'm a fairly, I think we're both, quite optimistic yeah. people, Claire. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I'd put myself in that camp. And there. we kind of maybe come across as a little bit sort of uh, a wee bit like giving people a bit of an easy ride. Um, and then you get your hardliners who are never happy. But I feel that when there's a real conversation about people who have a lot of experience of going to Celtic Park for European nights and they're talking about the atmosphere not being you know, as it once was or being an unhelpful atmosphere. And I've certainly experienced that with, and I think um, there's, I think there's a certain element amongst people that like ourselves who are of a kind of certain disposition. Um, It's, we're we're, we're trying to find that middle ground. Mm -hmm. We're trying to give this constructive criticism. And I feel, I feel with anything, just like turning on anybody after one performance that doesn't quite work like I, I've just said and got it wrong with the I think he neglected in midfield didn't work yeah his mistake um, I'm not afraid he's going to come and make my friend me. be afraid <laughs> be very afraid <laughs> really Halloween really after afraid. all what do you think Ange Postacoglu dresses up as for Halloween Claire <laughs> I don't know but I saw a kid dressing up as him for Halloween on Twitter <laughs> yeah, this morning yeah. that's just it's just a jumper like I hate that he, if you have to hold a kangaroo to show people what your <laughs> costume is. Yeah, because he's so famous for walking about carrying a kangaroo, right? <laughs> I wish he'd carry me around. Um, that's Sorry, weird. I feel bad for that. Like, well done. Like, great Halloween costume kid, whoever you are. No, let's not reward <laughs> mediocrity. Like, get a proper costume. Get, become a telly. W- one thing I was 
thinking about though um, about uh, Ange Postecoglou's sort of approach, which um, I think we could he could maybe tweak in something that I think is maybe uh, a bit of a problem with some of our recent form. Uh, and this is just you know this is just a thought experiment. This I'm not a football expert as you all know, um, but I was thinking about if we made more of a concentration on like a more stable starting eleven. Okay, we need rotation. There's injuries. Um, you know, there's a squad for a reason, etc. But I feel if I, I feel like a lot of the issues recently have been players who we know can perform in, in certain ways, but they're all stuck between stations. They're all mm-hmm. they're not in the same wavelength as each other. They've not played. I mean, there's a system. It's meant to be like the system is the star, and everybody just slots in interchangeably. I don't think that seems to be the case, and I don't even think that that even in the best you know implemented system of all time. I think people need to play with each other on a regular basis to understand where they're going to be, what their instincts are. And I feel that we've seen a lot of people that are just on the diff- a different page. Um, so what do you think about just a, a bit more consistency in the starting 11, rotating slightly less? Maybe this could be a way of like introducing people. We were you know, also talking about B team, you know, yeah. bringing younger players up. It would be less risky if we didn't have such a kind of basket case of like a squad. I think that's a really good point. Um, I think the fact that we're seeing so much of people like Aaron Moy, um, I guess he's he for me is just the, the, the example that, that is the most frustrating thing. You know, we're seeing like uh, James Forrest come back into the team, and I know arguably he's our best choice to play on the right. But we've cut, we've also got McGregor out, Jota out, Starfelt out. We've got we are experiencing some of that churn that is yeah. necessary. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good there's always going to be that, but I feel that with more of a kind of like a skeleton of a, I think it's more just about the kind of the even when we have injuries, we have squads changing with six whole positions being changed out. I don't know if that's the way forward. I think the midfield's the, the best example of that because McGregor's out and Matt O'Reilly's having to move back and play in the six. Matt O'Reilly's better playing in the, as an eight, and when it's McGregor, uh, it's when it's uh, uh, O'Reilly and Hatati and those two eights, that's our midfield that is best. So we've lost something there. It's just square pegs at times, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the fact that Abegor, you don't pronounce the L, right? It was, it was a thing about how we actually pronounce his name, and it is closer to Applecore than we thought. Uh, because he's just not embedded in the team yet properly, that assumption maybe we all had about, right, well, that's fine. It's going to be a straight spot for McGregor. Oh, we have covered this. Um, yeah, it's just frustrating. And I'm, I'm frustrated at Ange because, for me, it comes down to the manager and making too many changes. And But you I make a good point, too. I think the thing about the system being the star and everything, like, in theory, I love it. I love that idea that everyone knows what is each role requires and people can slot into different roles. Fran is very like that with the women's team. That's his whole thing. And there's a lot of churn in the squad with that. You know, people really have to fight for their place. And I think it can cause massive problems. I also think it can... We played Shen at right wing back in the final that we won with 10 players on the pitch at the end of last season. And she was an absolute superstar in that position Mm -hmm. that she'd never played before. And it was was sort of a bit of a revelation. So it can kind of bring something out in players, I think, potentially. But it's a risk. Okay, yeah. For for every success like that, you're going to have a bunch of misfires. Um, Quick topic. That was meant to be a quick topic. Oh, sorry. (laughs) No, 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 it's fine. It was a good chat. I enjoyed it. Um, Chris Sutton. 
and his big gob um, interviewed uh, for the Daryl Curry's podcast um, basically discussing the times that his kind of mouth got him into trouble with Celtic people so um, talked about when he slagged off Neil Lennon during the season that shall not be mentioned um, slagging off uh, Lee Griffiths and Greg Gordon basically right we all like Chris Sutton at this table yeah. as a player yes. for certain I like yeah. him as a pundit I think he's honest and I, I'm going to use the word congruent again I feel like the thing about Sutton is that you're getting the genuine Chris Sutton he definitely knows how to wind folk up but I don't think he minces his words and I think he says what he means yeah I don't think he's he's deliberately saying things just to get a reaction I think yeah, yeah he's, he, he's been up front um, so with that in mind what is it that makes a good pundit and what is it that makes a bad pundit you can give examples if you like but you might not want to name names. The reason I like Chris Sutton is because of his honesty, and he can back that up with experience of being of playing at a really high level. Um, I think he's in Scottish football. Certainly, he's one of the only pundits that I would rate as kind of being able to do that and kind of being prepared to piss people off and just say what he thinks. And I, I was thinking about this when you put the question down about Lennon, Griffiths, Gordon, and stuff. I was like, these people know him. Like, were they? They cannot have been surprised that he said what he thought he was seeing in front of him like Neil Lennon has known him for years like that's it, it feels to me like whatever you think of Chris Sutton he's kind of always been like that yeah and I don't think pissing off Neil Lennon is going to be a particularly hard task because <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, the red must descends I mean what makes a good pundit I don't know I think I think there's it, it's so much easier to be like what makes a bad pundit um, and I'm again we're trying to be I mean like because I think in the rundown you were like who do you like? Who do you, who do you dislike? And then I'm just like, who do I dislike? Well, Kevin Thompson is an atrocious pundit. Alan Hutton is an atrocious... You know, none of these are all former Rangers players, but these are guys that are getting the gig on BT Sport and stuff and, and Sky Sports, and it's like, gee whiz, man, we are really scraping the barrel here. Well, I mean, I, I guess it's kind of like there's a, a certain element of like how much of it is our jobs for the boys. Um, I've noticed um, Charlie Adam... Adams, he just—he's now popped up. Now he says he's retired from football, and he's now—he's now a pundit. I'm like, what are your qualifications? Yeah. Well, this is—this you know. is, is, yeah. I mean, this is exactly my point. I'm so—I get so enraged by this. The fact that people get to just—there t- was a. I think it is Gordon Strachan on Premier Sports coverage. Yes. And he—he he was talking about a game a few months ago and weeks ago, and he was like halfway through kind of the whole bit that they were doing the lead up he went oh god I didn't realise he was injured and I was like oh my god you literally had one job that is such a good example of someone who literally is phoning it in turning up because they've got a role within Scottish football that means that someone goes do you want Gordon Strachan sure okay like no qualification Mm. or like is consistently not backing it up with understanding recent form tactics what the manager is aiming to do what recent head-to-heads all that stuff all that stuff that like if you or I any of you were doing it we would be like right we've got lots of prep to do here yeah. <laughs> it mm. feels like they just turn up with yeah. absolutely nothing uh-huh. and, I, and yeah I mean I think everybody's always going to be a polarizer you know you're going to polarize people yeah but the one thing that you can be consistent about is if you're prepped and prepared and you've got like you've put the effort in and you're not just like going in there and just talking just up the top vibing of your head. it yeah exactly because <laughs> One like the that's the one percentile of people could probably do that. And can I just everybody make, else has to work at it? When I was thinking about pundits that I do like, and I was thinking, do you know what? 
women coming into the punditry game more recently have been absolutely smashing it out of the yep. park because they know that they have to do that. They yeah. know that they have to prepare. They know that they're going to get torn apart if they don't know what they're talking about. Leanne which Crane means is, is probably Leanne one of the Crane best. is excellent. Yeah. Kelly Clark on Celtic TV is excellent. Yeah. People like Farrah Williams and Alex Scott in England yeah. are excellent. Mm-hmm. So that's the solution. Just get more, more women. Yeah. It's, just, it's the calibre of, of Scott. It's just like the calibre of people. It's like referees. But like, it, we can it's, do it's, so it's, much it's, better. It's, it's the perceived interest. I think it's also about the perceived interests. It's like, what do we like about Scottish football? We like it because there's all this controversy and all the rest of it. And if you watch other things where they're actually talking, like, yeah, stuff you can learn about. Somebody that play, played the game and is talking about it from the perspective of a defender and he's like, so-and-so should do this, so-and-so should do that. This, I feel like if you watch sports scene... It's a completely unedifying, empty calories experience. Yeah, you know, um, and empty calories is a great way. Absolutely, yeah, exactly. and yeah, I saw yeah. Kenny Miller going in. Well, I, I was at uh, the BBC building the other day, and I saw Kenny Miller going in. Obviously, to start his shift, I didn't see him with a big fat file of preparation. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. It was all. It was all on his phone. It's all on his phone. Exactly. Okay. Um, I think I've managed to make us sufficiently pissed off there. Let's move on to power rankings. Colin, you were tasked with doing the power rankings this week. Yes. Um, at very short notice, I hasten to add. So let's hear what you've got. Yeah, so who knows what... I mean, this is this, the, the, the joy of power rankings. Who knows where it's going to go? Number five, Effie Ambrose. <laughs> oh! <laughs> exactly. Um, because he just signed for Morton. And uh, just a little bit of personal history. I used to go see Greenock Morton play a lot when I was a wee guy. My dad was from Greenock, but he wasn't a big football fan, but my eldest brother, Martin, kind of took it upon himself to support Morton as his sort of second team after okay. Celtic. And I've got a lot of happy memories of Capolo with Morton playing dreadful football, but sun shining and just like sitting on those wee benches that used to be in the stand. So I was just delighted to see Effie Ambrose going to Morton. Um, and uh, yeah, because I've got a bit of fondness for that boy. Excellent, love it. Number um, four. Number four. Uh, it's the um, category. What category of idiot is he? <laughs> Let's see if we can get Jacinta on the line. Because uh, I, I just love to see like fragile egos popped, and I think like she's, uh, I think she's a phenomenal player. And the fact is, like, <laughs> she's such a good player. She's inhabiting this kind of area that refer- I know referees don't like getting in the way of football. They don't like to be the apparently they don't like to be the centre of attention the fact that you know I just love it yeah. I don't know <laughs> and just like the way, yeah annoying referees so she's in there for that number three we've got Georgius uh, Yakimakis mm. for scoring in Europe yeah good Excellent. for him he's our joint top scorer in the Champions League this year yeah along with own goal <laughs> <laughs> you're pronouncing that incorrectly it's own goal Um Number two, after Gigi, is uh, Mudrick <laughs> yeah. for showing us up. And he's amazing, up. right? Yeah, I mean, he's, I mean, he's the standout player in that team. To he's get away with that tattoo, that haircut, you have to be a some some player. Um, and yeah, what a, what a goal! Uh, yeah, so bringing us back to to earth with a thump. And the number one is uh, Carl Starfelt because I just really miss him. Oh, and yeah. I think we real like we miss him as a team and as a defence and. Uh, Godspeed has returned. Excellent chat. And he's the, the only player that I've ever seen at a women's game. Oh, yeah. You sent me a picture of him. It was awesome. Um, uh, Gal, Sermani and Alan were, had a really good conversation about how 
playing Cameron Carter-Vickers, he can quite often make up for some of the mistakes that Morris Jens makes or Stephen Welsh. But with Starfelt, it feels like they're both able to play to the top of their game. Yeah, he's our best defender, Carl Starfelt. He doesn't need, need babysitting. Yeah, <laughs> good point. Um, thank you for the power rankings. No problem. Um, I will do the power rankings next week. I'm really interested to see if Effie Ambrose is going to go up or <laughs> yeah. down in the power rank. New entry at number F. Uh, right, let's talk about Celtic women. Um, my section's called Where Are Celtic Women At? Which could have been better worded, I think. Um, Claire, uh, obviously, Celtic women's football show drops every Wednesday, you and Lorenzo. Um, Celtic women play away at Glasgow City this weekend, 10 past four on Sunday. Where did Glasgow City play? Peters Hill Park. Where's Blue. that? <laughs> it's in Springburn, so it's actually good in terms of getting there because okay. it's in Glasgow. Um, so... Yeah. Talk us through how things have gone this season. Disappointing result last weekend. Yeah, I'm still kind of sore because we had a disappointing exit from the League Cup at the weekend against Spartans on penalties. I hate Spartans. They scored their equaliser in the 91st minute. And as aforementioned, we had 10 players on the pitch for some of the game after Jacinta was sent off. We still should have... Uh, we had... we had uh, by the Towards the end of the game, we had had at least 23 chances <laughs> that wow, we didn't... That's- Sounds like sounds sounds team, yeah. Uh, very, very, very frustrating. However, it was good to. It's always good to record with Lorenzo because he always brings me back down to earth and sort of reminds me that it's not all doom and gloom and terrible because we are absolutely smashing it in the league. Yeah. Currently sitting at the top of the league, solely on the, a goal difference of one. Mm. It's extraordinarily tight in the SWPL this season. So it's the big three: Celtic, Rangers, Glasgow City. Rangers were at the top on goal difference for a while. We've kind of caught up with them. But uh, they are playing Dundee United at the weekend. We are playing Glasgow City, which is the first really big meeting of any any of those three oh, teams yeah. this season. So it's going to be a massive game. It seems like almost impossible <laughs> like to have got this far into the season. And I know, then, uh, especially because we, we had a, went through a run of always meeting Glasgow City at either the start of the season or after a break. And it never going well for us. We haven't had a good record against Glasgow City, especially at Peters Hill. Uh, the last time we played them, we won in the cup final. Yep. The one I mentioned where we also got a player sent off and managed to win it in extra time. Um, <clears throat> we somehow seem to p- pull the stops out when it comes to playing Glasgow City in the cup, in the league, and especially at Peters Hill. We've just, it's, it's almost like it's kind of developing that Livia way. Oh yeah, to make a yeah. Oh, what a weekend that's yeah. going for Celtic. But the thing is, like the, the way the team's playing, could this be the year? That could this be the season that that yeah. hex is broken? Yeah. So you know, who knows what's going to happen? We've also, you know, we're top of the table. None of the, the three top have conceded a goal at all. Um, that's wild. Like that's in that, the that league, must be a statistical anomaly, right? Cup, but I, I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 because it, the deeper we get in and no one's conceded, it's like well something's going to happen this weekend, isn't it? Aye. So, are there any teams that have improved since last season out with the top three? Um, Hearts have been doing well, mm-hmm. I think. Um, Dundee United deserve a mention. I think they've dropped back down to like ninth, so they are in the bottom of the table. But they were ahead of Hibs at one point. Um, they are newly promoted, which is huge because the step up from the league below SWPL 2 yep. to the SWPL now is massive, um, like really massive. Okay. So, you know, I think they sort of deserve a mention. Hibs had a, have had a really rocky start to the season. So it was always the three and then Hibs and then the rest, whereas Hibs are kind of more in the mix with the rest of them. OK, 
this season. Um, we've also, it's probably worth mentioning that we have got the two highest goal scorers in the league in Clarissa Laracy and Jacinta. Great. Clarissa's on, I've got 12 slash 13 because sometimes looking at women's stats confuse, is confusing even to me, even though I spend half my life doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's 12 she scored um, and Jacinta scored 10, which if anyone has been following the women's game, um, last season, all our goals basically came from Charlie Wellings, who scored 40 goals over the season. So there was this big question mark over who was going to replace that. How are we going to replace that? Last season, Jacinta scored four and Clarissa scored 10 the whole season. Yeah. So their numbers have just shot up. Yeah, that's and they so are, they've, it's, so so they've stepped up. Like Charlie Wellings isn't at the club anymore, yeah, right? Yeah, so exactly. And, okay. Um, prediction for the score at the weekend? Prediction? I honestly... Even you just asked me that question, I feel you feel of terrified. Now. Sorry, I can't. I can't do it. It's like a curse if I do it. Okay, okay. <laughs> I won't. Uh, I won't ask you to predict the, the score. Uh, thank you very much for the update uh, on the women's team. Um, that'll be covered next week with Lorenzo. Um, Right, so with Celtic men play Livingston on Sunday midday kickoff. There will be a big preview podcast dropping. Saturday morning, so that's Gal catching up with uh, Christian, basically for us to a kind of tactical preview of the match, what to expect. And um, by all accounts, that's a really, really interesting recording. And Gal also caught up with a uh, is it Callum Brown who works for BN Sports in France to get the Levy perspective. Um, so that will drop tomorrow morning. That will be with you. I'm going to say nine o'clock, twelve p.m. twelve p.m. Tw- uh, lunchtime. Um, and look forward to that. Two podcasts tomorrow more bang for your buck let's just do a quick chat about our perspective on the game um, Livy recent form they drew Rangers last weekend I mean that was, <laughs> was quite nice uh, good for them um, they have had wins over St Johnson and Comarnock recently but they've lost to St Murn and Ross County so they're one of these teams that seem to not score many goals but also not concede many goals Celtic we've been smashing everyone recently but um, the Tony Macaroni arena is historically a tricky place for us to go Colin how are you feeling about this game yeah, I, I I feel like they'll be feeling up for it, especially, you know, like sort of a, a draw away. Um, they're going to feel confident going into this. I think Nubley's got some, uh, like, some foot in him. Yep. You know, he's got Seems some, be, some real yeah, ability. Yeah, having a good season. Uh, Not scored too they, many goals, but, they don't, but they don't get the chance. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, you know, that last week he just, uh, he had his chance and he took it. Mm-hmm. Should we sign them? Um, <laughs> and uh, but I also feel like there'll be a certain element in our team that we want to exact a terrible revenge upon the world. So um, I think my head says uh, tight two one win, but my heart says going to take them apart. Love it. Um, <laughs> Claire Greg Taylor says that he'll treat Livingston like Real Madrid. Good. Get beat 3 0. <laughs> also, haven't we broken the curse now? Is that yeah, not we, all well, done? Yeah, we won, we won um, so, 3 1 at the macaroni. What's a problem? At the macaroni. Jesus, stop me. Not a problem. Uh, yeah, we beat them 3 1 there in March. Are of you this waiting year? for somebody to return that salute, Claire? What, uh, <laughs> why are you still doing that? <laughs> um, how are you feeling about the game? Um, I think I agree with Colin. I think that Celtic are going to come out with a bit of a point to prove, and the fact that we did win their last, I think I think we're going to come out all guns blazing and and we're going to win. Who starts up front for you? Uh, Kyogo. 
yeah, yeah. He needs he needs to. We need to rebuild his confidence, like the billion dollar man. And uh, yeah, so I'd start him. Clear. Nah, put Gigi back in. Yes, <laughs> but get Ralston right both. right back. Yeah, right, so this might be a good game for Ralston because Jack Juranovic. Uh, uh, How's Stephen Welsh fixed? Um. I I mean, I hope he's okay to be in the bench. <laughs> Is Starfield not a possibility for coming back? I, don't he I think he might be on the bench. Right. No, wow. no. I was looking at the injuries. Is Starfield, there's one that... He's training. training. I don't think we'll see him tomorrow. I think that would be a bit too soon. Oh, well, um, one, one can hope. Uh, I actually think this is a game for Ralston. Yep, your pal. Um, I think, yeah, just get in, get in about them, yeah. Get grassy in the, get grassy in the on the artificial turf. Oh, no, stop Ooh. trying to make grassy happen. <laughs> um, so, preview podcast drops Saturday morning. Um, so, look out for that. Um, because we're playing at the spaghetti had, I was going to ask you for your top three pasta shapes, but we're quite short on time. So, <laughs> I would like both of you to tell me your number one pasta shape and what you might serve it with. Colin Kearney. Whoa, I didn't even see this in the run So, I'm going to say... It says uh, emergency feature pasta wars. Bucatini. Oh, Bucatini. My friend. What sort of a shape is that, please? It's it's like a spaghetti with a hole in it, right? Yeah. Oh, my God. It's great. I I like that. I've never had it. Okay. It's but really, it really good. it sounds amazing. Yeah, I, you can only get it in, like, delis. and You wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to get it at Asda, probably. But you get it in... Like, you, can, you, you, you see it from time to time. Yeah, you see it from time to time. And I, I would have that with, like, a, a sort of... Um, a very sort of simple kind of anchovy butter kind Ooh. of uh, some capers that kind of affair great sort of some like approaching simple, a puccinesca like without anchovies. the tomato perhaps yeah okay clear how are you serving your pasta my bucatino bucatini bucatini I was just ma- by the way I was just making up a, a meal just so Paul wouldn't correct me again about my pronunciation <laughs> I was going to say linguini because it's like spaghetti with a bit more to more it. surface area for a sauce exactly yep. mm. probably like uh, like a bolognese, obviously vegan. Uh-huh. Uh, my own version of a veganized bolognese. Okay, acceptable. Yep, I think. I know it's straight acceptable. Down the line. No, no, these yeah. are both acceptable. Your meals. personal choices are acceptable. Of course, the best type of pasta is rigatoni, but that's another thing. Can I just have a special shout out to those really massive shells that you can like? Yes, conchiglia. Um, sorry. Um, thought you'd retired this bit. Uh, yeah, no, I thought I had to. Right, coming up on the cynic over the next couple of days tomorrow, Saturday, the 29th of October. Preview podcast drops at midday, and then the Cynic Chronicles. Gal, what's happening in the Cynic Chronicles this episode? Uh, <coughs> excuse me. We are discussing the last time Celtic qualified for the last 16 of the Champions League. So it's the Spartak Moscow game and the two games surrounding that. Uh, we'll go through the squad. We'll go through everything to do with that game. But yeah, we just thought a nice, be happy look back. The Celtic-Spartak-Moscow game, I didn't see because I was playing a gig in Mono, where you, the manager, Colin Kearney, with mm-hmm. my old band, X-Teens, opening for Mission to Burma. Burma. Hey. So thanks for putting us on. Sorry I missed the game. Um, and delivery action on Sunday, that's me, Lorenzo, and Eddie, I think. Um, I'm looking forward to that. I nice. think I, I've got a good feeling about this Levy game. Um, two very quick features before we finish. Um, we're going to do this or that. This or that. Uh, is that what we're calling it? One or the other? Um, I've got six scenarios. I'm actually going to let you pick the number, right? So let's like start with Claire. Like blankety blank. Clear. Uh, pick a number between one and six. Many thanks. Um, three. Thank you. Three. Would you rather 
take a French class with Jacinta, but she keeps calling the teacher an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> or attend a Japanese en lesson. Jacinta. <laughs> idiot. Um, or would you rather uh, attend a Japanese language class taught by Idiguchi? He's the teacher, but his attendance is patchy at best. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be Jacinta. <laughs> yeah. I want to hang out with her. I think she sounds great fun. Do you know what she's I mean? quite reserved when she's in front of the media, like when she's at a media thing. But okay. having observed her, like with the team and stuff, I think she's like integral and part of the like social life of the team. Cool. Okay. Uh, great. Uh, and a number of team one and six, but uh, not three. Uh, two. Colin, would you rather play Chapdoor Run with Alexandro Bernabe, Ding dong but scoosh. he's much quicker than you and he therefore <laughs> never gets caught, or a game of Kirby with Josip Juranovic, but he throws the ball really hard and it keeps hitting you? Oh, I think just from the sheer... That sounds too much like dodgeball. Um, uh, so I will go for Ding Dong Scoosh with Bernabe. Ding Dong Scoosh, oh my God. <laughs> that is unacceptable language, Colin Kearney, but... We we don't have time to get into that again. Right it's a region. It's just a regional difference. Paul. <laughs> uh, Claire, one, four, five, or six. One. Would you rather take Leal Abada guising, but he insists that you make him a DIY pirate costume? <laughs> he will share his treats with you, or go to a Halloween party at Ange Postacoglu's house, but you've accidentally dressed up as a sexy Ange Postacoglu. <laughs> Definitely the first one. <laughs> okay, take Leal Abada guising. The, the second one gives. The idea of it gives me nightmares. I don't even know what that costume would look like. It's like it's also it's accidentally. So yeah. what, were you, what were you aiming for in the first place? Who, who knows? You'd be wow. surprised how many times I accidentally looked at <laughs> Colin, four, five, or six. Uh, I feel that you were twisting my words a wee bit there. Uh, that's that's just, just sexy Ange Postacoglu. Is that one of those like spirit Halloween yes, things that's, that you that's see? The, that's the right, 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 yeah. right. Um, okay, I'll go you for. Can't, you can't say that this podcast is not zeitgeisty, right? Certainly not. We've, we're like we're on Twitter, which is like the most old guy uh, <laughs> social media going. Um, six, please. Would you rather sing the monster mash at karaoke with Clarissa Larissy? It's a graveyard smash, but she takes it really seriously and gets mad at you if you're a little bit out of key or out of time, right? Mm-hmm. Which won't be a problem for you. Uh, or teach Fran Alonso the rap from Rapture by Blondie, but he has a terrible memory and keeps referring to himself as Lil Franny. <laughs> Um, I think we should open with these this podcast for I, now. I'm going to go with um, an angry Clarissa Larissy okay. uh, because I, I feel that we that would because I'm when I do karaoke I like to turn in a good performance. Yep. Um, so maybe she'd so help you raise she, the game. she would, yeah, help me yeah. raise my. I don't. I don't think she's capable of being angry. She's like the nicest person ever in real life. Maybe more like perfectionist. Maybe perfectionist, you know? High she, standards. High standards. Or just like, yeah. just like yeah. not quite my tempo. Yeah. <laughs> Whiplash, of course. Uh, film, best film about drums um, ever, I would say. Clear. Uh, four or five? Four. Would you rather eat a bowl of Frosties with James Forrest? Yes, that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's better than the alternative. Eat a balanced breakfast featuring all the key food groups with Kyogo, and I'm going to specify what's on the table. A kiwi fruit. Granola. 
uh, Are you joking? Soya the first, yogurt. The, uh, yeah, you don't need to carry on. <laughs> what is the thing about James Forrest and Frosties? Is that a thing? No. I, I not something that. I'm aware of. Did he not used to eat Frosties for his breakfast? No, he just had uh, an endorsement and it was Foresties. Oh, <laughs> don't hate that. Uh, um, okay. They'll be, they'll be <laughs> selling that in the Celtic series store before you know it. <laughs> uh, the average. Of the Celtic mega store. <laughs> this, this mega store thing is not catching. Um, right, Colin, last one. Would you rather take Matt O'Reilly to the baths for a swimming lesson, but... He insists on wearing one of those old-timey bathing costumes up to his neck. Plus, he makes duck noises constantly. Or, organise Jota's birthday night out with the lads, but he is adamant that he wants to go to Stringfellows. <laughs> Holy moly. Um, I, I'm too busy having breakfast with Kyogo because he's like done a re- he's, he's, he seems quite good with the food uh, I think out of that I'd have to go with the uh, Jota Stringfellows okay, uh, because wow. I really don't enjoy going to the swim swimming in the swimming okay. pool well, that's um, a good answer on that case. although like him going quite constantly is kind of hilarious so yeah. um, I love the fact that they're all so insistent upon yeah. these things yeah. they're so yeah. bit dogmatic about what yeah. they want to do um this is fast becoming my favourite feature of the Lunch Club. I think we should start opening with this. Um, many thanks to both of you. Uh, just to wrap up, the finer things. Colin, what you got for us? Well, um, we uh, opened... I uh, got a gift from a good friend, Chris Mack and Anna Mack. Uh, they are friends of ours that live in uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil. And they brought us over uh, a, wee, a wee treat, um, which is... I'm not a big Nutella fan, but this is like a hazelnut spread thing made by like a... Brazilian chocolatier who harvests like wild cocoa and and it's like you know it's like I think it's like an Amazonian wild cocoa sort of thing and it is small batch tastes incredible very ethically sourced all the rest of it um, really interesting character as well this, uh, Louisa Abram is her name great and uh, yeah as somebody who's a bit of a Nutella denier I mean t- Tara it's converted a, you Absolutely, um, but now I've got such rarefied tastes that I I won't <laughs> yeah, accept anything less. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I want the finest ethically sourced. Uh, sorry, what was Wild the Coco. name? Uh, Louisa Abram. Who would win in a fight between Louisa Abram and the Lint Master Chocolatier from the Lint advert? Some of the guy with the big hat who's got a, who's got always got that scoopy hanging. Uh, Louisa Abram because he doesn't exist. The, he's, <laughs> he's, he's just, just an actor. He's just an actor. Like the people that win the uh, the the draw, the halftime draw at Celtic Park. Clear the finer things. What do you have for us? Am I allowed one or two? You can have as many as you like. Uh, Let's see two. The first one. I thought about this last week. My uncle and aunt came to town, and we were trying to think of things to do with them in Glasgow that weren't the necropolis and kelvin grove and we did the tenants brewery tour Oh, cool and if anyone hasn't i think we maybe have spoken about this colin yeah sounds uh, great it was excellent great it was such a good like we were kind of just obviously doing it because we were like we need something to entertain ourselves for the afternoon and i kind of i had not super high expectations i thought it would be interesting it was so it was really really good and did they enjoy the paint at the end of it we all enjoyed our pint at the end of it. Put a pint of Big Juicy, nothing better. Straight <laughs> from the... Yeah. The you get to go all round and like see all the... You know, if people like... You know, when people really love factories, seeing the like, yeah. production lines with all the things happening. Did anyone get uh, trapped in a big tube? <laughs> I'm, I'm, it's a Willy Wonka Are you doing joke. a Charlie yeah, and the yeah, Chocolate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, no. Um, what's your other one? 
Um, I've just started reading a new book called The Glass Hotel mm. by Emily Sinjam Mandel, uh-huh. who is the person who wrote Station Eleven. Yep. And it's so far excellent. And I just wanted what, to give that a shout out. What's the name of the book? The Glass Hotel. Ah, because I've got Sea of Tranquility waiting for me on yes. my bedside green reading she, pile which is enormous yeah when I realised because I loved Station Eleven the TV Amazing. series so much and then I didn't realise it was a book oh I haven't seen the TV and then I realised it was a book and then I started to collect all her books what, so can I sorry I'm just I'm just really I'm just like uh, what's the TV what's, what, where is the TV where available is this, where is Station Eleven oh, I is can't this, remember is this we kind of it. like um, Wim- we no it's somewhere I, I just can't remember I'm bad okay. at remembering these oh well, I'd like to watch that because yeah. I read, read the book and loved it yeah. really really good I've got a final thing for everyone. I brought with me <gasps> some Reed's root beer these. sweeties. Um, a gift given to me by my friend Ailey McCready. Um, she gave it. It's weird. She gave it to me on my partner's birthday. So it's like that thing when you've got two kids, and one of them it's their birthday. You've got to give the other kid a present. And I'd quite like this. I would like us all to do this for me <laughs> moving forward on Frankie's Just birthday. For you. I get a wee present. So what I'm going to give you. Stop when you have enough. Frankie, Frankie, your birthday. Yeah, I believe these are vegan. Uh, that I couldn't see any remote um, notion of an animal product in it, so they're safe for Claire and Gal. I will not be partaking because I hate root beer. Oh <laughs> Thank no. You well, root beer is my final thing. It's the best soda in the world. Shout out to Dr. Pepper. Um, Gal sent me a photo of his shopping. There was a, can, a couple of cans of Dr. Pepper in there. And I think that is a highly misunderstood and underrated soda. Colin, how do you feel about Dr. Pepper? I believe it's so misunderstood. Great. <laughs> Just like the advertising campaign. Uh, well, yeah, I, I love it. And uh, I was reminded of having original recipe Dr Pepper in Texas many many years ago um, and from cane sugar not corn syrup yeah. as I initially said yeah I, thought, I think that's what I thought you I, meant yeah it's my it's just my uh, it's my quirk to get things asked backwards um, so big fan and uh, bring back original recipe uh, which apparently according to Gal is called Dublin Dr Pepper oh nice because okay. it's made in Dublin well, it was made in Dublin Texas till 2012 so there you go fully on board with all of that so um, the pop facts many thanks uh, thanks to Phillies for hosting us I didn't see at the start we're recording in Phillies of Shawland today Very, I've had way uh, too much coffee yeah I, I, and the coffee is nice I'm having a lovely time um, my thanks to Colin Kearney thanks very much sorry for the caffeine fueled rabbiting that's the very spirit of the lunch club many thanks to Claire Wilde thank you so much for having me it's been an absolute pleasure um, extra special thanks to Christopher Gallagher So from Claire, from Gal, from Colin, and from me, Paul Carlin, this has been The Lunch Club, and we'll speak to you down the road. (laughs) Sometimes we at lunch at one o'clock, sometimes we at lunch at two o'clock, and sometimes we at lunch at seven o'clock, The Lunch Club.